No. Hello, ladies. Oh, you're all talking to each other. Go ahead, carry on. Talk with each other. No, truly, his way is supposed to be a place where we make friendships that are exceptional. So part of our mandate is for you to talk to each other. <laughs> to like each other. Yeah, to like women. There is a whole crowd in the back and chairs up front. This is unusual. How is it back there? Does it feel pretty good back there? <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to see you. Glad you're here. You are so smart to come. How is the parking? Oh, some good, some not so good. Yeah, I'm truly sorry about the parking. Soon we will have so much parking. And then we will have more women and we won't have enough parking. <laughs> that was a prophetic word. Yes, it was. Well, tonight we are continuing on with the power of no condemnation. And the title of tonight's message is, Your Ledger is Clean. Wow. So just expect to get clean. Just your ledger be wiped off clean. Um, I wanted to ask you a question as we get started tonight. Have you ever been around someone who says they're sorry a lot? Yeah, just, oh, you've done it. Yeah. Oh, some of you are saying I used to. Good job getting over it. Um, but some people, they say they're sorry a lot or sorry about um, just everything. And pretty soon you're tired of them saying they're sorry. And then they say they're sorry for saying they're sorry. Do you know Father God also gets tired of hearing us say, I'm sorry? Especially when we say, I'm sorry, Father, and he says, I forgive you, and then you keep saying it. Oh, but I'm so sorry. But I'm really sorry. And he's just waiting. You know? Some of you have been telling God you're sorry a lot. And he heard you the first time. And I'm going to recommend tonight that instead of saying we're sorry so much, instead of saying I'm sorry all the time, that we start saying I forgive you. And we begin to live in that forgiveness consciousness where we're just forgiving people all the time, and then we're just getting freer and freer. Okay, there you go. Some of you are looking at me like, huh? <laughs> You'll get more. You will get more. Ask for more. Ask Father for more. Yes. Yeah, we need God. Okay, well, let's open our hands. You came. You might as well get something. I mean, why keep your hands shut and go, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you came. You parked in the difficult parking. I mean, here you are. So you might as well, you might as well receive. So may your love receivers be healed. And may you be able to receive everything 
that God has for you. May your trusters be healed. May all those kind of parts you didn't know you have be healed in Jesus' name. (laughs) Father, I'm asking that you rain down healing on your women tonight. Father God, thank you that you are healer. You call yourself healer. And so we agree with you. You are our healer. So, Lord, pour out. Pour out your love. Pour out your grace. Pour out your favor. Pour out your relief, oh God. Pour out your comfort. Oh God, pour out your deliverance. Pour out your salvation. Oh God, pour out your generosity. Oh Lord, we receive. You're good. Father God, you are good. You're so good. Father, help us to be able to comprehend tonight, to be able to listen, to not be tired. Father, help us to not... Lord, just keep us from those kinds of feelings that snag us so often. Oh, God. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord Jesus. So be it. Amen. Okay, well, hug somebody and say you're sorry.
he's got our back. He goes before us. He goes behind us. Above, before, below, behind. That Jesus Christ would be all around me every day, every moment, every second, every breath. As we breathe in his grace and we breathe out his praise. Every moment, Lord Jesus.
every time isn't it his way more of Jesus Jesus all around us you see so often what we do is we start picturing the future whether it's one minute from now or tomorrow or next week or next month and we start thinking of what it's going to be like what we're going to feel like what our situation is going to be and usually so often we don't picture Jesus there with us in that moment in the future because you see Jesus is right now and then he's right now and now he's right now and he's right now and he's right now and right now and this moment and this moment and this moment you know we do it especially when we don't feel good we think how am I gonna feel later tonight oh no how am I gonna feel tomorrow what if I don't feel better this weekend and what about next week what about the money next week what about that paycheck what about it but Jesus he's here right now right now right now and there's grace there's grace for me and there's grace for you right now in this moment in this place I'm standing right here right now in this situation Jesus is here so father forgive me for imagining the future and forgetting to see you there in it Lord forgive me oh Jesus I thank you that you're with me every moment every moment that you are with me Lord <laughs> Lord I thank you that you've been with me every moment of my life <laughs> and so Lord I know that you'll be with me every moment that comes thank you Father
other names fade away Let all the other names fade away Until there's only you Let all the other names fade away Jesus, take your place Jesus, take your place We sing Let all the other names fade away Let all the other names fade away Until there's only you Let all the other names fade away Jesus, take your place Jesus, take your place Sing it again, let all Let all the other names fade away Right now Let all the other names fade away Let all 
other names fade away until there's only you and all the other names fade away Jesus take your place Jesus take your place we sing let all the other names fade away let all the other names fade away until there's only you let all the other names fade away Jesus take your place Jesus take your for every moment that you are with us Lord Jesus how we love you thank you Father you can be seated Sometimes I just stand here and drink you in. I just, I love you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, is my shirt, my, my skirt, is my skirt too short? <laughs> I thought it was too short. I ordered it. I like to shop online, and it came, and it was too short. So I asked my husband if it was too short, and he said, it's really borderline. <laughs> And then he said I should maybe wear leggings under it. And I said, not for the women. Yeah, maybe if I wear it with men, but not us girls. No, no, no. And besides, it's below my fingertips if I pull it down. <laughs> okay, all right. Here we are. We're at his way. Karen, where's Karen? Terry, there you are. I thought you were by Terry. We have tonight, we have one of our missionaries here with us tonight. Karen Whitley is here, and she primarily ministers in South America. And you need to just applaud for her. Karen, come up and bring greetings. Yay. <laughs> Karen is, well... She might be my very favorite missionary that we support. <laughs> she, you know what you might want to do? I, you're not tired. You just didn't get home from the mission field. You, okay. All right. Well, okay. Well, then grab her afterwards because she is a prophetess. And 
she just might have a word for you. So I recommend her highly. Karen, bring us greeting. All right. I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I just want you to know that um, I was a little farm girl. And I was from a family of eight girls. And um, the Lord has brought me a long way. And so it's not um, all the things that we have, and it's not all of our capabilities, but who we are in him. So forget about your situation. Forget about what you came from. Know that the possibilities are in God, and they are endless. God bless you. Oh, I've been with her on the mission field, and miracles happen. Several of you have also been on the mission field with Karen. I know Kimberly has, and Karen, and Terry. Who? Anybody else? And Julianne. Yeah. How is she? Is <laughs> she never stops? She's like Heidi Baker. Yeah, she just keeps going. May we all have that kind of energy, huh? Amen. Okay, well, tonight you have received two outlines instead of one. One of them has all the blanks filled in because last week we did not finish the power of no condemnation. But what happens to me is I try to go back to the outline from the week before and continue with it, and I'm just completely done with it. And I want to, because I have so much new that the Lord is speaking. <laughs> so tonight you have a brand new outline. It's, the title of it is, The Ledger is Clean. And I've actually given you a picture of a ledger there. And it says, paid in full, that little picture. And I looked, I wanted to give you a, I wanted to give everybody a ledger tonight. <laughs> that was just blank and say the ledger's clean. You're just completely free. You're exonerated. It's done. But last time I gave you little cars and Cynthia went home. Cynthia's right here in the front row laughing. She went home and she told her husband that Pastor Linda had given her a brand new car. And she told him enough times till he believed her. And then she held out her hand and showed him the little car I gave her. <laughs> Who would have thunk it about you, Cynthia? <laughs> oh, we get all kinds of surprises here at His Way. We didn't give out prizes tonight, Marcia. It's not too late. Yeah. <laughs> What would you like? What would you like, Maritza? Music. She wants some music. Go to the bookstore afterwards and get some. Okay, Dion? Okay, all right. Okay. <laughs> well, at the top of your outline, I've given you the same scripture as we had last week. Beware. Paul is telling us, beware. He's giving us a warning. 
when we get a warning, it means that we need to pay attention because it just could be that somebody might sneak up and deceive or steal or cheat us. So Paul is warning us. He says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Father, I ask right now, Lord Jesus, Lord, I ask that you will help us to be able to receive, to be able to understand. Lord, I ask that you will give experience with your word tonight that we will have encounter, oh God, that we won't just, we won't go out of here with just another good concept or another good thing to do. Lord, we don't want to be more religious. Oh God, we need an encounter. And so Lord, do what only you can do. Lord, may your word, may As I speak your word, may the women have the power of experience. Yes, Lord. Thanks, Lord. I'm asking for freedom tonight in the name of Jesus. Thanks, Lord. Amen. So be it. So shall it be. Well, in just a minute, I want Danielle Montez, she's with the kids tonight, to come in, and she's going to share a testimony. You want to run and get her, Alyssa? About how to break free, how she broke free of religion. Now, for me, I had a really tough time transferring out of a works mentality and a works religion into a grace mentality, I had a really tough time. Do you know why? Because when you are in a works mentality, and I'll explain it a bit more in a little bit, about how all the religions on our planet, they all have a works mentality, how to work your way to God, except for Christianity. But there are churches in the Christian movement where we are told also that we've got to get it right. We've got to work hard. And you go to a meeting and you put on another coat. You know, you just get another concept. You get another good, um, I'm going to do it right this time. And put on another coat until you're wearing 20 coats. When God really wants us to stand before him nude. So I had a really tough time. Danielle, oh, there you are. (laughs) So I had a tough time transferring. I'm about to bring you up here. Are you nervous? No, you're not. (laughs) I had a hard time. Come on up. Okay, come on up. Okay. Danielle shared a testimony with me in a group a few days ago. Peace be still in Jesus' name. And the testimony was so powerful, I really wanted, I want you to hear it. Peace in Jesus' name. Okay.
Okay. So when we were new in the church about almost six years ago now, um, I had this dream again and again and again. And um, so I'm just going to share part of it. Um, <laughs> tried to play swear. Um, so I was on the journey, and I came to a part of the journey where I was on, like, a tightrope, and there was just endless space downward. And as I was walking and balancing and carrying whoever, whatever stuff, the enemy was reaching up and grabbing my legs and trying to pull me down. And, um, of course, it was hard to move forward. And I would, um, I would wake up crying and distressed and anxious for I don't know how many times I had this dream. And I was angry because um, I thought God was telling me terrible things were going to happen to me. And um, so finally, I stayed asleep through the dream. And as I was walking on the tightrope and teetering one way and, an and another, I looked up and um, there was a crucifix. And Jesus was hanging there just looking into my eyes, and um, I realized I was walking the tightrope alone. And so I called on Jesus, and he came off the cross, and he laid down, and the enemy could no longer grab my ankles because he was there protecting me. And the revelation was that I was walking through life. I believed in Jesus. I was saved. But I didn't allow Jesus off the cross to work in my life. And um, can I tell one more thing? Yeah. Now, this happened in real life <laughs> shortly after we had been going through a move. And I had this very large crucifix that belonged to my father who had died a few years earlier. And um, when we moved... I couldn't hang the crucifix up because I'd had that dream and Jesus wasn't on the cross yeah. and he didn't want to be on the cross yeah. in my life. He wanted to be free. Yeah. And I was having prayer time and the cross was on, um, under my coffee table on a little shelf. And I had all this anxiety about this cross because it meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And I was praying and crying and Lord, this is my dad's crucifix, and it's special, and I want to hang it up, but I don't. And I went to grab it, and it was, Jesus was plastered on there, nailed on there, like everything. And Jesus fell off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I picked up the cross, and he just slid right off the cross. <laughs> so we now have the cross hung up without Jesus. Because he's, he's alive in our house. Yeah. He's not hanging on a cross. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so proud of you. Thank you.
turnout was awesome. She's on the way back to the kids when she, yeah, you're telling her as she walks by. That was so good. Is that amazing? She had this reoccurring dream, and every time that she dreamed that same thing, Jesus was on the cross, and she was alone. And then she said that that last time when she dreamed it, that she called him down from the cross to help her. And he came right off and helped her. She hasn't had the dream since. Isn't that good? Wow. (laughs) So... How many of you are are from Catholic background? How many of you? Okay, quite a few. I've been listening to Catholic radio. I think it's really interesting. (laughs) I think it's fascinating. And um, I was listening to Catholic radio recently in in between listening to CDs and music and scripture And I was listening to Catholic Radio, and there was a call-in show and a person who was taking questions, somebody important. And a woman called in, and they took her call, and she sounded frantic. She said, I am so scared. I am am so scared that my marriage is not sacramental. She said, please tell me that my marriage is sacramental. I'm not saying Sacramento like the city. Sacramental. Yeah, please tell me that my marriage is okay, is basically what she was saying. And the, the host who was taking questions began to ask her questions. He began to say, well, were you both baptized? Were you both married in the church? Did you both? And she kept asking answering, affirming that they had done those things. And then the person on the phone said, well, then your marriage is sacramental. And he said, so you're okay. And she was like, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Am I okay? I'm okay. And I just hit the radio. I hit the radio a lot. I just hit it and I said, oh, Lord, help her. Help her to get free of these bondages where she has to perform and get it right or else her marriage is not um, sanctified, is not okay, is not safe. She was wanting to feel safe. Have you ever tried to perform rituals to be safe? I started to tell you that I had a really difficult time transferring from the works mentality to the grace mentality. Do you know what I found out about myself eventually, why it was so difficult for me? It was because I felt powerless when I realized that God wasn't going to do things for me because I performed well. And all of a sudden I found out that I couldn't do anything to make him do what I wanted him to do. Because what he wanted to do was he wanted to love me and he wanted to bless me 
But I wanted to choose how I got blessed. And if I worked hard, I thought I could choose. And so I had a really difficult time letting go of all the rules and regulations and trying to perform because I felt like I was losing power. Little did I know that eventually when I crossed over that I would come into amazing freedom that would be way better than having my own way. So sometimes we think that if we do the right things that we'll get leverage. I ordered a crucifix. Um, a rosary, not a crucifix. I ordered a rosary to bring tonight. And I ordered a kid's one, of course, because the kid's ones are always better. And the adult ones are really expensive. So I guess the ones for grown-ups have Jesus on the cross and the ones for kids don't. But this is a rosary, and so many people every day they go through the Hail Marys, and they go through the beads, and they say all the right things that make them feel better and feel qualified. And if you do it every day, you can actually join a, a special segment of the Catholic Church that is reserved for people who do it every day. How many of you have done the rosary every day? Okay, so you've done that in the past. It actually brings a, a kind of comfort, doesn't it? It makes you feel like you're accomplishing something, like you're doing something, like, you're, like you are fulfilling some kind of law. Should I give the rosary away? No. <laughs> Oh, dear, somebody would go from his way and say, Linda Anderson is giving rosaries in his way. <laughs> well, number one, Jesus Christ is working with us. Did you know this? Jesus Christ is working with us to build a culture of faith. Now, here at his way in the book of Colossians, we've talked about superstitions. One of the first weeks, we talked about the superstitions, the rabbit's foot, and talked about Friday the 13th and how some hotels don't even have a 13th floor and talked about four-leaf clovers and all kinds of superstitions. But tonight, we're going to focus more on traditions that can actually be like superstitions. And we found out that superstitions are idols because it's something we're trusting in instead of trusting in God. Whoa. I was teaching our college ministry a couple weeks ago, and I was teaching on Genesis 6 about giants being on, in the land, Nephilim. And I was talking with the students about some of the, um, just some of the culture of superheroes and superhumans that every culture has them. The, the Greek gods, the Olympic gods, the um, mythology. 
And I was talking to the students about those demigods, demigods. And then I showed them a picture of Superman. And I said, do you like him? And they said, oh, yeah, we love Superman. And I said, have you ever dressed up like him? And the students raised their hands. Yeah, we've dressed up like Superman, especially when we were kids. And I said, so you really worship Superman? And the students said, well, no, we don't worship Superman. And I said, well, what is the difference between how you feel about Superman and how the Greeks felt about their gods? And the students went, whoa. <laughs> and one of the students got a little bit defensive and said, well, Superman's not real. <laughs> and I said, neither were the gods that the Greeks worshipped. We have so many superstitions, and we have, we have all these things in our culture that we have a tendency to overlook. And we think, oh, those people back there, they were strange. They, they believed in all these, all these mythology gods. And, and then I pulled out some more superhero pictures. <laughs> Those people there were just like us, trouble in their culture. Their culture believed a whole bunch of fantasy and nonsense, created ways to feel safe and structures. And that's part of what Paul is addressing to the church in Colossae. He is addressing where they have gotten off track. And they've allowed other things to come in that are not of God. Sometimes we don't even know it, do we? No, we never know it until somebody helps us or God points it out. Well, may he point out some tonight. Number two, to build a culture of faith, God may have to destroy the underpinnings of religious lifestyles that actually work in contradiction to the nature of faith. It's possible that you may have some structures that are actually working in contradiction to faith, and you don't even know it. You're around going, I don't know why I can't hear God. I don't know why everybody else gets answers and I don't. I don't know why everybody else, everybody else, why everybody else, they get blessed and... Um, they just on and on and on. Why I don't. And we don't even know, we often don't even know what's in the way. And so tonight the Lord is going to destroy some things. We don't say things like that. We do it his way. Number three, all religions except for Christianity have a works mentality, a structure of human effort. Now, let me explain it to you a little bit. Tom and I have worked a lot in Muslim nations, places where, and Hindu nations. And um, in the Muslim nations, do you, do you know that the 
Hindu women and the Muslim women wear the little thing on their forehead right here. Do you know why? Well, the Hindu women, they wear the little jewel. It's evolved into a jewel. It didn't used to be a jewel. But now it is because it's a decoration. <laughs> because we as women, we love to decorate our bodies. And I mean, look at our earrings and our necklaces and our, and our makeup. And yeah, I like to paint my face. And so th the reason why the Hindu women have that right here is because they call it a third eye. Now, we as Christian women, we have eyes in the back of our heads, <laughs> especially if we're a mom. But they call it the third eye, and they get it when they get married. But the Muslim women, let me tell you why they haven't. Some of you know this, and I think I've probably told some of you before. The Muslims, they have to pray five times a day. Now, it's not really prayer because prayer is union and communion with God. Prayer is talking to God, and he talks to you, and you have relationship. However, in Islam, you pray five times a day as ritual prayer to put in your time to hopefully gain more in heaven someday. And so that's why you do it, to up your... your um, your rewards, and you do it for yourself. So anyway, a lot of the Muslim men, if, you, if you're ever in a Muslim country, and I know some of you travel there, um, they have a scab right here because if they get down on their face and pray five times a day and their forehead touches the ground, eventually it scrapes up their forehead so if they've got a little place right there where their forehead is scraped, they're really religious and devout. I'm really not making fun of them. Really not. So the women as well have come to the place where they are also wearing the thing right here to say that they're very devoted. And you know that they have a heart to know God. Well, let's talk about Mormons. I'm just going to offend everyone tonight. Mormons, they have special underclothes, don't they, that they wear that makes them feel special and sealed. And there's a whole lot that goes along with that. But they have this special thing that any time that they are off somewhere, you know how you'll be in a store or something, and all of a sudden you'll start feeling insecure? Maybe you looked at the magazines with all the perfect women. Don't look at them. <laughs> so you're in a store, and all of a sudden you're feeling insecure, and you scramble to try to think, oh, I, I did my hair. I have a good hair day. Okay, I'm okay. Or whatever it is that you try to figure out to make yourself feel better. Well, if you're a Mormon and you have on the special underclothes, you... You look to that. You think, okay, I'm okay. I have, I have that on. It's on me. I'm okay. And you're looking to something else to feel better. Now, my husband, his background is Pennsylvania Dutch Amish, which is a great heritage. However, the Amish, well, for one thing, they don't use electricity. And the women have to keep their heads covered 
And they have so many rules that if they follow them, they'll be holy. What kind of rules do you have? Shall we pick on the Baptist? (laughs) I can pick on the Nazarenes because I was a Nazarene and my parents were Nazarenes and my grandparents on both sides were Nazarenes and everybody in the world in my life was a Nazarene. And um, it's a church that is of the holiness movement. And the Nazarenes believe that if you are entirely sanctified if you um, don't sin anymore that then you are okay and um, you won't go to hell if you I grew up oh wow I don't want to take a long time on this one I grew up thinking that if you told a lie if you did anything wrong if you sinned you lost your salvation immediately And so we would try really hard to be entirely sanctified, which meant sinless, so that we could be safe. And so I worked really hard to try to be sinless. It didn't work. (laughs) And then I would do something wrong, and I would feel just such guilt, strangled by guilt. How about Judaism? Many of you have been to Israel, and... I remember the first time that we went to Israel and we tried to take an elevator on the Sabbath up to, I think we were on the 15th floor of our hotel, and you had to stop at every single floor because if you pushed a button in the elevator, it was called work and you were disobeying the Sabbath law. We also had a refrigerator in our room and it was the light was programmed so that it wouldn't work on the Sabbath because if you open the refrigerator and the light came on, it was considered work. You know what? We laugh at other people's, their traditions, their rules, and their laws, and yet we have our own. In just a minute, I'm going to talk about prayer and just... um, we're going to get rid of some erroneous thinking about prayer because you're, you want to be set free to enjoy prayer. <sighs> Number four, last week, let me just preface it. Last week I talked to you a little bit about the woman who was caught in adultery and she was brought to Jesus. And Jesus stooped down on the ground and he wrote in the dust he did it twice and then he arose and told the the woman that he did not condemn her and then he told her go and sin no more and I expressed how the world tells us if you don't sin we won't condemn you but God says I don't condemn you don't sin The deal is you fall in love with one who will not condemn you, and then you don't want to sin. And when you do, you want to repent because you don't want anything to stop that love relationship with the one who doesn't condemn you. So I talked about the woman who was caught in adultery, 
And I was thinking back to, I don't know how long ago, sometime in the past, I spoke about the woman with the issue of blood who touched Jesus. Now, Jesus was wearing the same thing when he interacted with the woman caught in adultery as he was wearing when that woman with the issue of blood touched him. He was wearing the Jewish shawl with the tassels on it that represented the law. Jesus Christ wore that shawl from the time he was, he was confirmed at 13 until his death. And you might want to go and read about the grave clothes that were laying in the tomb after he was resurrected. Very interesting that he no longer needed the shawl about the law. So when that woman who was caught in adultery, when Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground, on the stone, as Moses had seen the finger of God write on the stone two times, Jesus was showing that he came to fulfill the law and he didn't condemn It was a really big deal. So here we are, number four. Jesus wore a shawl that was a reminder of the law that Moses was given because he was fulfilling the law. And I've given you, I think just, did I give you a paragraph? Um, Really, truly, women of God, meditate on the things that you hear here, hear here, that you hear here. (laughs) and so I wrote an answer for last week's teaching in John 8 about the woman caught in adultery why is it significant that Jesus Christ stooped down twice and wrote in the dust on the stone floor while wearing the talent with the tassels because it shows that the very author of God's perfect law does not use the law to judge and condemn us today it's a really huge thing (laughs) Um, I, okay, number five. So here we are in prayer. Ask God to destroy any legalistic thinking about prayer. I brought a letter. It's a letter that I got from a woman who had a question. And here is what she says. She says, I feel afraid because I'm completely failing in hearing from God. Every time I've taken the time to sit and hear what he wants to tell me, every single time I completely fail. I avoid, in fact, taking time to go and sit alone to be quiet, to hear what he wants me to say. I wish he'd give me a break finally to hear and not allow me to strive so much when I go and sit still to hear his desires. I have many times gone into our back room to listen, sit and listen. I'm, I've gone in feeling good and come out not only hearing a bit from him, but literally with a headache. I've been there. Not only do I leave the room with a headache, but with an overall feeling of failing yet again. I find myself striving and fighting to clear my head so I can focus on him and what he has for me. And I even start with a prayer. I even start with telling him I'm here to hear from him. 
she goes on to say, I hear you say you go into your prayer closet. I feel like crying because I've not been able to attain the stillness to hear. You can offer some ideas to help me quiet my head to hear. I would be beyond grateful. How many of you have felt like this before? Okay, here you go. We're blowing. We're just going to, you're going to go away from here saying, Pastor Linda has totally lost it now. The one who has told us to pray for hours is giving us a whole different message. Whatever. Okay. Bullet point, that first bullet point under number five. People say, why should I pray if he already knows? In Matthew 6, the word says, your Father in heaven knows what you have need of before you ask. So people say he already knows what I need, so why should I pray? Well, the reason why you should pray is because he went on to say, your Father in heaven knows what you have need of before you pray, so pray. That's what Jesus said. If you read the rest of the scripture, have you had someone tell you, he already knows what I need, so why should I pray? Well, because in praying, I've, in fact, I gave you a little blank. Jesus said that Father knows your needs before you ask, so ask. Show God that you want it. Just because he knows what you need doesn't mean he's automatically going to do it. You have to ask. And by the way, every time that you do not have an answer to prayer, it is because there's some kind of spiritual warfare that's in the way. We give up way too easy. We start condemning ourselves. We start thinking, what is my problem? I can't even get through. And it's because you're being opposed by the powers of darkness. Next week I'll be talking about that. I'll be talking about how Jesus Christ disarmed the powers of darkness at the cross, made a public open spectacle of them, and how you can join with that and be free from that kind of oppression that hinders and roadblocks you. Praise God. This is, it's great news. <laughs> May we be alive. Are you alive? Is anybody, okay. Okay, why should I pray if he already knows? You need to pray because it's not an automatic response because he knows. He knows everything. God knows everything. He knows everything. So ask him. Jesus said, I gave you the scripture, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him, therefore pray. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. Okay, bullet point two. If I pray longer, will he hear me? If I pray longer, will God hear me? If I just pray a little bit longer, oh, I didn't pray long enough. If I could just fold my hands tighter and close Fold my, yeah, tighter and close my eyes tighter and be tighter. <laughs> if I could just do it better. If I could get in the right place. If I could get in Pastor Linda's prayer closet. 
I could get it right. So if I pray a little bit longer, just a little bit longer, then I know he'll hear me, right? Okay, here we go. Now we're, you're going to see. Jesus said, when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And right below that, Jesus never condemned short prayers. Some of the most destiny-changing prayers are simple and short. Okay, here we go. Lazarus. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, right? Because Lazarus is dead. And Jesus is going to bring him back from the dead. Now, if I was going to raise somebody from the dead, in fact, I did this before. I prayed for a man who had died for two and a half hours, kept pulling him up. It was really um, awful. <laughs> such an exhausting, such an understatement. And I didn't get him to raise from the dead. I tried as hard as I could. I did everything I knew to do. But he didn't rise from the dead. So I would think that when Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus, that he should have prayed hard. Okay, somebody time me. I'm going to tell you what Jesus said. Or count seconds. Let's count seconds. Just count seconds in your mind. One, one thousand, two, one thousand. Okay, here I go. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know you always hear me. Lazarus, come forth. How many seconds? Four, five seconds, six seconds. <laughs> and then you say, wait, he's Jesus. If I were Jesus, I could pray six seconds. <laughs> Who's in you? No. Six seconds. Not only that. Okay, it's shorter. Wait, hold on. In the Hebrew, come forth is actually kame. Come forth. Kame. <laughs> it's shorter. He said, actually, it's Hebrew. He said, he said, Lazarus, kame. And that was it. Not only that, but he told Father, you always hear me. The prayer of Jabez. Some of you know the prayer of Jabez in First Chronicles. And we think um, he was blessed. He was blessed of God, this man Jabez. He had a really short prayer. People say, don't pray selfish prayers. Just look at that prayer. He said, me, 20 times. <laughs> Bless me, prosper me, enlarge me. <laughs> and it says that his prayer was honorable, and God did it. And it was probably 20 seconds. So Jesus never condemned short prayers. Okay, we're wrapping up. Um, the third bullet point, God sees a lot of faults in me when I pray, so I need to say I'm sorry 20 times, maybe 30 and do the rosary. Hail Mary, 
Queen of Heaven. God sees a lot of faults in me when I pray. Here's a prayer for you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, that's called prayer, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Do you know what that word without reproach means? It means constantly not fault-finding. Constantly, every moment, not fault-finding. You go before God and you think, okay, did I, did, I, did I read the Bible this morning? Did I, did I, you know, you've got your, all the things we try to come up with to say, okay, I'm good enough to approach God. <laughs> and yet he never finds fault. Ever. Never. Never, never, never. He never finds fault. Never. Do you know him? Have you been taught faulty things? Have you been told that if you try really hard, that just maybe you'll get something from God? He says we can come to him. He doesn't ever find fault in us without any reproach, none. Amazing God. Do you know why I spend hours with God every day? It's because I am so captivated by his goodness and his love for me. And I'm so overwhelmed that he would save me, that he could love me, that he's with me, that he heals me, me. That's why, that's why I can't wait to spend time with God. And yet that crossover point, getting to that place, often it was nothing but discipline, making myself press through until I came into the spacious place. Pastor Tamara, will you come? God constantly gives, never finds fault. Number six, all the righteousness of God was imputed to you freely, without price, without charge. God owes no one, so he can freely give freely. If he owed you for what you did good, it would not be free. It would be a payment. <laughs> it is not because God simply decided to be merciful to, on us. No. It's because Jesus himself fulfilled 
all the righteous requirements of the law on our behalf, took upon himself every curse and stroke of punishment for our sins on his own body at the cross. And number seven, when there's no condemnation, we are empowered to live victorious lives. Your ledger is clean. Oh, I just, I want to download it into you so that we get free from the religion, so that we get free of trying to measure up, so that we get free of counting the things we did right before we think we can approach and receive from God. Oh, I want you to be free. I want you to be free and see him as he is, as the savior of the world, the one who exchanged his place for yours. The one who became sin, that you might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 100%. He took a 100% of your sin and he gave you a 100% of his righteousness. Say it with me again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Again, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, I'm, you're going to, if you keep saying it, your ears are going to hear it. It's going to go down in you. And pretty soon you're going to believe it. <laughs> really believe it. Really believe him, Jesus. Should you just put your hand on your heart and we'll pray. Help, Lord. Help us. Clean us, oh God. Clean us out. Lord, we forgive. We forgive the, the people who put things on us. Father, we forgive those who put bondages, rules on us. Father, we forgive leaders. We forgive them for speaking words on us that that just put another coat on us. Lord, we forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. Lord, forgive us when we've done it to other people. Lord, help us to know how to train our children without putting them in bondage. Oh, God, give us wisdom. Father, I ask if there is one here tonight who has not received Jesus Christ as Savior. Oh, Father, I ask right now that in the quietness of that, that woman's heart, that she will invite you in. Just ask him to forgive your sin and tell him you believe him, that you want him to come in and be your Lord and your Savior.
and he comes in and he washes you clean forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Father. Prayer team, will you come? I really recommend prayer during the season of Colossians because each week things are highlighted in our lives that need to be, um, that we need to be freed of. And so come and get prayer. These women are trustworthy. They will help you. If you have a physical need, come and get healed. We're seeing so many healings here at His Way. So come get healed, get free, come get prayer. Okay, come next week. God bless you. Come on up, Mark.